Welcome to the Beyond the Tee podcast, an in-depth look at the life of all newsmakers from coaches to players and more, told by newsmakers themselves as well as those closest to them. The Beyond the Tee podcast is hosted by VolQuest publisher Brent Hubs and 30-year college administration veteran Carmen Tigano. Welcome to another installment of Beyond the Tee. I'm Brent Hubs with the great Carmen Tigano. Glad to have you along with us on this edition as we continue our look at Tennessee legend John Majors as Tennessee gets ready to take on Pittsburgh uh, in the Johnny Majors Classic. And uh, Carmen, we got a couple of special guests here today. One of the things we've done in looking at John Majors' career, it's not just been about his time at Tennessee. Uh, we wanted to talk to people along the way. We had a chance to talk to Jackie Sherrill uh, about kind of their journey together to Pittsburgh. And I know you're excited, and I'm excited about a couple of guys we got lined up this morning uh, to talk about their time with Coach Majors at Pittsburgh. Well, I, um, I've known the Hanhauser family since I was in fourth grade. Uh, and uh, I know a lot about them, and I'll say something about them in a minute. And Dave, I don't know much about you, but you're from Ohio, and I was born and raised in Steubenville. Yes, so I don't know how uh, far from Steubenville you are, but and it's nice to see the name Janisak. You don't see many Janisaks inside, you know, or Hanhausers, you know. <laughs> so right. It's nice to connect with that that accent as John was talking about. But these are two young men that played for John Majors at Pitt. Um, I believe John Hanhauser, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a freshman in the infamous 1973 class that changed college football and how yes, the rules were interpreted. Yep. Yep, 1973, we, I think we brought in 77 freshmen. Yeah, that's what Jackie said. Jackie, I said to Jackie, brought in 200 freshmen. He corrected me. He said, no, it was less than 100. And <laughs> but it, pro it probably felt like a couple of hundred at, at some point in time, for, yeah. for sure. Well, that was only freshmen. There's all the, the uh, college transfers and walk-ons, too. It was, there was, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it had to be about 200 people, 200 players. Well, yeah, there were 87 in total. You guys, your class plus all the transfers coming in. Yeah. And then our group, I was there. Uh, it was my junior year. Johnny came in the, the winter of my sophomore year. We probably had about, oh, man, 90 guys start winter workouts. And by the time we got to the first season, that group was down to about 50. So it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was about 140 or something, John. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I want to ask you a little bit about that time before Coach Major's arrival at Pitt. When we talked to Jackie Sherrill, he said he didn't. they didn't really have a great understanding of just the situation that was Pittsburgh football at the time when they took the job. Um, they, they took it feeling like it was an opportunity there. But you guys had, had really struggled at that point leading up to his arrival. What was, the, what was the tenor like? What was life like as a Pittsburgh football player prior to that season of Coach Major's arrival? Okay, going back prior to me, I went there in 1971, but uh, Pitt had been in a downturn for shit, boy, 15 years. Uh, a series of coach changes. They weren't in a conference. Uh, the facilities weren't good. Uh, what attracted me was it was close to Cleveland where I was from, so my family could come to all the home games and a lot of the away games, and I liked the national schedule. We played national championship teams, uh, Southern Cal, our senior year, uh, Notre Dame, uh, when they were champs, either my sophomore or junior year. So it was, it attracted me. And there were good athletes on the team, but the coaching staff at the time, Carl DePasqua and his group, they just, 
didn't have the support from the university or the funding. And it just kind of went from there. They couldn't, we couldn't recruit until Johnny got there. Yeah, I, I always thought that uh, Johnny Majors was a student of the game. And he understood the history of the University of Pittsburgh football. I mean, if you look at the amount of national championships won, now, albeit a lot of them go back to the 1930s, 1920s, and that era, but there's very few teams that are in front of us. And uh, he knew there's guys like Dave and Dave Wanstead, and I mean, I could go right on the, down the list. These guys are, you know, their, their record may not be good, but they were hell, hell of a football player and a hell of a football team. Yeah. And, we had uh, a lot of very good I athletes. Think you recognize that. Yeah. You, Thank you, you, John. You know, you know, John. <clears throat> You you knew your you knew your football coach because John Majors was an outstanding historian. He loved to sit and talk about history, politics, coaches. Uh, you, you're exactly right. I, mean, I, I guarantee you that by the time uh, after a, a week or so being in Pittsburgh, he knew the history. He knew about Jock Sutherland. He knew about the Mike Gitkas and the Joe Schmitz and guys like that. <clears throat> he understood that deeply yeah. because he lived it at Tennessee. You know, he was in the lower Tennessee and you know, his father was a great coach at Swanee, uh, outstanding coach. And John lived that. He, he um, hey, that's a great call, John. Yeah. So, but also at the time, Brent, back in the early 60s, whoever the chancellor was at the time decided to de-emphasize football. And it kind of just spiraled down from there. So what goes what goes through your mind when he when Coach Majors arrived? Because knowing him, and, and and I'll acknowledge I was I was young when I, I was around him as a kid and sitting on his knee taking pictures at spring games and things like that. There were, there was always a, a just an amount of enthusiasm with him. He, he just it didn't feel like he was having a lot of bad days. What, what was kind of your all's reaction to his arrival? Because I'm sure he was. Uh, he was stern, but he had a lot of enthusiasm. He was probably selling some stuff that, in the back of your mind, were you kind of wondering if some of that stuff could even become a reality? Or, or is that unfair? No, we, uh, he definitely had enthusiasm. In fact, one of his uh, sayings that we all kind of like our war cry was, we will play with pride and enthusiasm. But uh, sophomore year, we were 1-10. in 10, And... I remember we were watching uh, the Iowa State Bowl game. There were a bunch of us in the room, and they flashed on the screen at the end of the game that he would be leaving to become the new coach at the University of Pittsburgh. And we're all sitting there like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> you know, even though our record wasn't good, you know, Pittsburgh is a fun city, and we all took a lot of advantage of it. We, I wouldn't say we're the most disciplined guys out there. <laughs> Johnny, he changed that, like, immediately. I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, with Johnny, it was play hard, but have fun hard, but play hard. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, so was the buy-in immediate, John I mean, or Dave, because you guys had not been very good? Was it easy to buy in or was it a little bit of, oh, here we go again, administration's bringing in a guy we don't know anything about, you know, that type of thing? No, we bought in on it because we felt that we were a good group of athletes uh, we kind of like, we're looking at him because this is a guy who could lead us in the direction we want to go. But the really big thing was our athletic director at the time, Kaz Byslinski and our chancellor, Wes Pazvar, uh, both were West Point guys. Uh, Kaz, I think was all American at West Point yep. and, uh, Pazvar was, uh, they were friends in, in, at West Point and had remained friends. 
And they decided that they were going to invest the money and make Pitt um, a strong power again. In fact, they were, um, what was they saying? With, with Johnny came, it was the major change in Pitt football. Yep, that's right. And they major freed up uh, scholarships to bring in all these guys. And they put the money into the facilities. We got new uniforms, the weight room, locker yep. room. So they invested the money. I guess they may have looked at this as our last chance. Let's make it work. We got the coach and let's see what happens. And they sure were right. And they were both good guys too. They used to travel with the team and would interact with us. And uh, yeah, it was become a fun working relationship with all of us. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was on a podcast the other day and they were, we were talking about something regarding Tennessee football. And uh, one of the things I said was that back in the golden era when Tennessee was a power, part of the ingredient to make it successful was the alignment between the president, the chancellor and the athletic yep. director and the head coach. And they, we had that and we have it now. We we're, we're back. Tennessee's back to where it has it now. However, Pitt had it. You're exactly right, Dave. They all got around Johnny. I, I went to a game in 72 and I can't remember the was, I, I went to school at Slippery Rock and I can't remember the game. I went down with a bunch of buddies. Anyway, it rained and we left, we left at halftime. And then I went the following year, I was student teaching in Newcastle, and I went the following year, uh, uh, and I think it was the opening game, Baylor, Northwestern. What was y'all's first game at home? 73. Uh, it would be Baylor, it, I think, uh, Dave. It may have been Baylor. Yeah. And you know something? The place was packed. People yeah. were drinking beer. They were tailgating. And it was like a, a complete overhaul. I mean, it was amazing. And then when you guys went to, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that year at 73, you played Arizona State in a bowl game, maybe? Well, we did in the Fiesta Bowl. Correct. That's it. You yeah, it was the third you, Fiesta Bowl. You would have thought you guys were playing for the national championship in Pittsburgh. That's how much enthusiasm and excitement reeked through that city during that time. Yeah. That's true. Well, you know, Very I, true. I, I think what happened, Dave, maybe you could uh, agree with me on this one, is we went down to Georgia our very first game. And uh, – we actually tied them and had a, every opportunity to actually beat them. Right. And um, that is that was unusual because typically uh, the pit teams were like the uh, beginning homecoming southern teams because they'd come down with these big heavy linemen. And and by the way, that between the hedges was the game started at one o'clock in the first week of September. You can imagine how doggone hot that is. And uh, you know, typically pit players were done by the second quarter. And I think we surprised them because uh, we played all four quarters and we went toe to toe with an SEC powerhouse, which kind of let oh, yeah. people know what was going on. Oh, yeah. We were actually, I think, in better shape than they were. The, the game, the score was 7 7. And John's right. We had, we had a couple opportunities to win. But uh, Dorset and I were roommates uh, on the road and we were watching the, the news, the Atlanta news that night. And, you know, they were, we flipped through the channels and all the, not, not all the sportscasters were giving their predictions for the game. I would never forget. It was like 67 to zero, 63 to seven, <laughs> you know, 56 to 12. And we're like, holy smokes. And we got out there. We were just so pumped up. We hit that field. It was incredible. Johnny gave us, I forget what speech he gave us before the game, but we went out of that locker room like maniacs. Well, I've got to I got to ask you this because Jackie Sherrill asked me to ask you this, and 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 I think this leads into being in the shape that you guys are in. He wanted to get your guys' reaction to his mat drills in in the winter time 
I guess, that he was in charge of, which probably helped you guys through four quarters in the heat in Georgia, right? How, how rough was that winter workout system? It was very difficult. The first year, in fact, Jackie and I have talked about this. He actually apologized to me for what they put us through. <laughs> they, they, they borderline tortured us. What they, we started out that winter. They had us all lined up in our sanitaries and weighed us all in and told us, this is the way to want you to be by season. And a lot of guys, we all lost a lot of weight, but they put us in these, the wrestling room, hot, and had us wrestling. Uh, there was talk about having us use the Marine pugil sticks, but I think the AD got wind of that and said, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> but uh, they worked us so hard, it was amazing. But I tell you, a lot of us are still, but we all went through, we all bonded. And a lot yeah. of us, we all get together still today. But they were tough. They were very tough. And I don't Jackie think schools do that anymore the room. I'm sorry, the, the wrestling room. And the temperature in there had to be 110. Yep. And uh, and it was not unusual for every day to have somebody over in the corner uh, uh, resuscitating because they had lost their lunch or lost whatever. We <laughs> learned really quick not to eat before we went on these drills. It yep. was difficult. So how important was it, you know, to see the fruits of that? You talk about the Georgia game, to, to see some some fairly quick returns on all that work going into what you did in the offseason, that, hey, th this is making a difference. Because you mentioned you guys were good athletes, right? But, but, but now you're in a different position. You're toe-to-toe -to -toe with an SEC team. How much did that just continue to help with the – Hey, we're on our way. We, 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 we're going to, we're getting good pretty fast here. This is not going to, we're not going to spend our entire career making it better for the next group that comes through. We, we got a chance to be pretty good here pretty quick. Yep. We believe well, you know, that. I, I'll, Dave, don't mind. I'll take this one. Uh, if you look at who we played and Dave mentioned it, our freshman year, we played uh, Eric Parsegan in his second to last year and he won the national championship and we could have beat them. Uh, sophomore year, John Robinson comes to town with USC, and they beat us 16-7. to 7. We knocked Hayden out in the first quarter, and we could have beat them. Yep. Junior year, we go out to Oklahoma, and we're playing Barry Switzer. And this is one of my favorite um, questions that people know uh, college football. Who was the backfield at that time for Switzer in Oklahoma? And of course, it's, it's Horace, El Horace Ivory. Elvis Peacock and Joe Washington. Yeah. And Joe Washington had the the, the uh, gold shoe. Yeah. And uh, we could have beat them, except that was a you know that was a pretty good pretty good team. I had my hands full blocking the Salmon Brothers. Salmon Brothers, you guys remember those names. And yep. but we but we kind of looked around and said, you know what, we're playing these national championships toe to toe, and with you know a ball bouncing. One way or the other, or, or Tony cutting right instead of left, we may have won these games. So we were pretty, feeling pretty darn good about ourselves at that time. You know, uh, you mentioned something. You know, John would come by the offices after he retired and came back, and he'd always find me, and we'd sit, and he'd talk because I, I, I knew pit football. And he said something to me. You guys just – John, you just touched on it too. He said when he walked off the field at Georgia in 1973, he said to his coaches, we got a pretty good program. It was a Georgia game where he said to himself, we can compete. He told mm -hmm. me that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you guys are saying. And you played a lot of people and you played them close. You're right. Who, who was your, um, 
when you guys won the championship, who were your coordinators? I, I was trying to think the other day, and I, I didn't remember. Was um, Jackie, was he a coordinator? No, no Jackie, Jackie was gone. Jackie had left and, and gone to, uh, was it Washington State, Dave? Or Washington, Washington State. Washington State, yeah. Washington State. And Bobby Roper, who had played for the Arkansas National Championship, was a defensive co coordinator. Uh, I guess that was 65 when Arkansas won it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Then, yep, yep. And yeah. then George Hafner was our offensive coordinator who at one time went down and he uh, coached with Dooley down in Georgia, I believe, after he left. Uh, he That's and right. George Hafner did. He, he absolutely right. And uh, Roper, you know, Roper's sons, both the, both Kurt and I can't think of the other one, they, they worked for David Cutcliffe, who also worked for Johnny. Uh, David was a head coach at Duke till last year, and he had the Roper boys on his staff. Yeah, you know something else, too, that you guys – I know you know this because you guys know your history. Um, John Majors, when he got there, um, he, he, he saved pit football. We all know that because you guys were going to uh, uh, drop down a, a level. There was talk of going to the MAC. Okay. And um, you, you, the other thing I remember is that he had Jackie Scherer on his staff who won 50 games there. And he had Walt Harris on his staff here that went back. Now, you know, you look at Walt's schedule. I know Walt got fired, but you guys look at Walt's schedule. He won seven, eight games every year. Yep. He, he, he continued to, where Pitt was an established program. And, of course, Dave wants that. So, you know, Johnny had an influence on the coaches there long after he left. People, people forget that sometimes. Yes, yep. he did. Yep. So uh, what <clears> – <throat> I'm going <clears> to <throat> – excuse me. I'm going to ask you some stuff about Tony in a second, but what, what's your favorite John Major's memory? Is there a moment, whether it's a post-playing reunion, phone call? Because I know he kept in touch with all you guys, but do I mean, I'm sure there are multiple memories, but is there one or two that sticks out in your mind that, that just always brings a smile to your face about something that, that you guys sort of spent some time together talking about or, or, or cherishing? There was one who was uh, at fall camp in Johnstown, uh, John's freshman year, my junior year. It was their first scrimmage. We had already been at, at, when we were in Pittsburgh before we left for camp. We all I got timed in the 40. I'll never forget they had uh, the, Vart, the Letterman coming back, running on one line and all the new guys on another line. And all of a sudden, it would call out your name. And all of a sudden you heard Tony Dorsett. Everybody stopped. Tony ran like a 4-4-40. Everybody <laughs> was pretty pumped about that. So now we get to camp. So first scrimmage in pads. It's a plate. And Tony gets the ball. And it's uh, around the end. And he takes off for like 70-yard touchdown. And Coach Majors ran down the field almost alongside him, yelling, We've got a tailback. We've got a tailback. <laughs> and he was with the biggest smile on his face. And we all looked at him and like, yep. <laughs> did, did you guys have any idea um, who Tony was? I mean, because, look, in today's world, the Internet, we got star rankings and all these kids know each other. I mean, how, how – I mean, was it one of those deals where you knew Tony was going to run fast in that 40? Or were you more curious – 
I mean, what what was your knowledge of Tony? Both of you, what was your knowledge of Tony before that scrimmage even? Well, coming out of high school, I really didn't know much about him at all because, like you said, there were none of those uh, sites where you could go and you rate players and all that. I just knew his name. He went to a smaller high school, and that was it. So wasn't surprised he was fast, but it was nice seeing a 4-4. John could <laughs> yeah. probably say more because John was you know, in his class. Right, John. You know, he was um, – and Carmen, I know you know this, uh, but we have a thing every day. I don't even know if it's going on anymore. It's called the Big 33. Yeah. And that's Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania. I guess Texas was part of it in some of the years. But he was – he was to us and – and I was not on that team, by the way – but it's the best 33 players in, in Pennsylvania, and Tony's name was there. But, you know, another, a, a, a running back right next to him named Mark Taquato was also there. Uh, George Link, who, who I, and the teammate of Dave's and, my, and ours, uh, you know, he was there. So it, it wasn't like he was uh, known as he would be going forward. He was just one of the one of the crowd, frankly. Yeah. And so, like Dave, Dave says, he, he saw him do something on the field, and he said, holy mackerel. When – um quickly separated himself from everybody else. What I was going to add was John told me, John Majors told me that after they saw him play, uh, when they got there and they, they recruited him and they watched video of him and et cetera, et cetera, someone on the defense side of the football made the statement, he'd make a great cornerback. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I, John looked. John said he looked at the coach and said, I'll fire you for even thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. He was a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. you know, and Dave, and Dave being uh, being humble here because he he was responsible in the early years for Tony's success. Dave was the the blocking running back, and uh, you know until we went to the Veer and then we 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 broke out with two running backs. Dave was the lead blocker, and a lot of those big time games that Tony had was because of what Dave did. Uh, Thank I don't know you, if you even touched the ball, did you, Dave? Uh, <laughs> I did. I carried the ball maybe. I think a big game for me would be like seven, eight carries. <laughs> and uh, my biggest game ever was like 79 yards or so against Boston College. Yeah. But uh, I liked blocking. You know, a lot. one of the things when Johnny and I would talk, I like to hit people. And and to play fullback in the eye formation and with Tony running behind me, it made it a lot easier. I just had to go and either stick a linebacker or a defensive end and Tony would read the cut and be gone. And it was so nice to just hear the crowd roar knowing he was taken off. So a lot of short, you know, like 10 yard touchdown drives, not grinding them out for 25 plays. Yeah. And, you know, Dave, playing that position, no matter where you are, you're getting beat up. But you're getting beat up blocking for the greatest running back ever. That yeah. probably made you feel pretty good, you know. You oh, help yeah. the greatest uh, running good. back ever be great. And one of the things, if you if you go back and look at Tony's touchdowns, uh, you know, he's he, extremely fast. But most of his touchdowns came between the tackles, meaning that he was hitting it straight up the gut, so to speak, and then he'd cut one way or the other, and he could cut to his left as well as to his right. And that's where he made a lot of people miss him because his acceleration off those cuts is really something to watch. You watch him on film, it, it's, uh, and, and you're talking about the Notre Dames, the, the, you know, the Georgias, the Oklahomas, the Southern Cows, the Penn States, 
he made them all look like they're standing still sometimes when he made those cuts. Yeah, Tony was at full speed in, at the first step. He was incredibly quick. Yeah. yeah uh, talk a minute about what well, John, you'll know this, your senior year when you guys went to Notre Dame and I read somewhere, but I remember talk about it that when the grass was high. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and uh, there's a, there's a, a clip on YouTube where they do a, uh, they, they do a special on that. And uh, Robert Haygood, who was our, our starting quarterback at the time was interviewed and he says, yeah, the grass was high and it was wet. And there ain't a cloud in the sky. And that was yeah. <laughs> Another thing to show how high it was, because I was at the game, but I was watching uh, the pregame out of the tailgate party, and they one of the announcers for the game was on the field with a golf ball and yeah. dropped the golf ball onto the field, and you could not see the ball in the grass. It was so high. <laughs> and that, that's the holier-than-thou, the Golden Dome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's, that was an interesting game, by the way, because they actually came out and scored their first possession, and they kicked off to us into that uh, end zone where they have all the students, all the students, the student section. So we were, we go out on, as an offense, we're already down seven, nothing, and everybody's going crazy. And we jump off sides on the first play. And then the second play, <laughs> it's Tony to the right, and he's off to the races. And we never look back from that, that play on. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was like quite an experience. Right. Well, it, it sounds like for both of you guys that the whole journey was was an experience. Just just the bond that you guys have formed, even if you're not in the same class, just in the revitalization of that program and how much you guys are revered by people for what you did to, to bring Pitt back and what you guys have done to, to make sure that Coach Major's legacy um, is not only protected but, but is celebrated. I know that's got to make you guys feel feel special and feel good about what you accomplished in your time at Pittsburgh, um, you know, and what's transpired since then. No, no question. You know, uh, I think that's one of the, the, uh, one of the best things that's happened to me in my life is I've gotten to know guys like Dave and his, his uh, class. And obviously people that came in with me in my class and, and the ones before and after me, it, there is there is a bond and it's uh, uh we all share it you know we you know I, I was on the, the team but believe me Dave and his cohorts were out there with us yep uh, once we beat Georgia in that Sugar Bowl because they they were a big part of us getting there yeah I think about half of us guys from the '73 team were at the game came down to Georgia to yep. uh, New Orleans for that game I, I mean how important is that to be wanted back you know what i'm saying like like you weren't just cast off okay now we've got we've got our class we've got our guys i mean from the day coach majors got there it sounded like you were one of his guys there was no i gotta i gotta weed it out and get rid of these other guys that i inherited and bring in my, my people to get it going it sounds like it wasn't that way how how important was that and how how special was that that coach majors treated you guys like that as opposed to cast offs no, it was good. I mean, we lost a lot of guys that winter, but uh, coaches said those who stay will play and those who play will rise to the top. And we all believed in it. And the core group of guys that ended up playing, uh, we just believed we bonded with uh, John's class. 
that Tony was like the glue to put it all together. We knew, you know, we we keep Tony healthy. And there were, there were weeks, because he was only about 155 pounds when he was a freshman. I think the program had, it, had him at 185, just so people didn't know how small he was. But there were weeks he didn't practice until Thursday, sometimes Friday. Yeah. So banged up, but no one cared because we knew that once Tony was on the field, he'd get the job done. So we all did our jobs during the week to prepare. And um, it was it was pretty special. Very special. Yeah, yeah. You know, you guys talk about that during the air. And one person that was really significant was Tim Karen. And Tim used to talk about his relationship with Hawk. He called, I guess that was his nickname, Hawk. Yeah. yeah. And he'd always be sitting and he'd talk about how in the training room, how Hawk would come in quietly. He'd take care of Hawk and he made sure that Hawk was never rushed to the field. Those are Tim Karen's favorite words. Yeah. We never rushed him to the field. Nope. No. Nope. Tim Karen was a great guy. Yeah. I visited uh, coach and, and when he was coaching at Tennessee and Tim showed me around campus and it was, it was just great. He, I'm glad that Tennessee honors him with that, uh, award every year or a scholarship fund or something. He was a good yeah. man. Yeah, you, know, you asked me a, about a story about Johnny, and, and I'm, I, I'll tie all that in together, what you just mentioned, Dave. Um, and this is more on a personal note, and uh, I think it shows his humanity. And the uh, Hanauser family is in, uh, entirely uh, devoted to Johnny Majors because of one thing. It was December 23rd, 1975, and my, my cousin, tragically died of leukemia. And we were out at the uh, Sun Bowl down in El Paso. And Johnny comes up to me after practice and say, John, I got bad news. Your, your cousin died. And I'm, I'm 20 years old and you know, I'm not, not really sure what to do because, you know, if, if you didn't, if there's other Johnny saying, if you didn't practice during the week, you didn't play on Saturday. And it's the, uh, you know, it's the Pip uh, Lou Gehrig, uh, lose your, lose, uh, shuffle your feet, lose your, your seat type of thing. Because if, if I didn't practice, I knew I wasn't going to play. And uh, I, you know, I wasn't Tony Dorsett. Everybody, like Dave said, everybody <laughs> was okay with Tony not practicing for Friday because he really did take some pretty big, big licks. And uh, Johnny looked at me and said, uh, I think you should go home. I said, oh, okay, coach, I will. And he says, go see the big guy. Tim Karen's nickname with us, the player. That's right. The big guy. The big guy. Yep. The big guy. And so Tim was a fix. Uh, he he did everything. It wasn't only a, uh, you know, working with the health. He was he he was a good friend to a lot of people. And uh, Tim gave me a a wad of dollar bills, and said, uh, take you know, get in this car here, go to the airport. And uh, you'll, you'll be taken care of. And there's no easy way to get from El Paso to Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, there's no credit cards. Uh, everything had to be paid with cash. And he, he literally gave me a, a wad of cash to get there and back. And as I was leaving, Johnny, Johnny uh, came up to me and says, don't worry about things, John. Things will be as they are when you come back. And I know exactly what he meant. He, mean, he meant that I was not going to lose my place as a starter. That there are, you know, things a little bit more important than football and his family. And uh, I think it was about five years ago at one of the reunions, I finally got a chance to thank him. And I never knew that he lost a brother uh, tragically. And so, yeah. he had, uh, you know, he, he, he did have a, a lot of humanity and he, uh, he took care of myself and my family. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, 
That's John Majors and Tim Karen. I, I want to add to that real quick, Dave, so you know who your room, who your teammate is. His, his brother <clears throat> passed away a while back, and I was talking to actually Jerry Mifson, and uh, Jerry pointed out that Cathedral Prep's an all-boys school, Dave, and it's a power yeah. up there in, up there in Erie, and um, probably the, the first family of Erie Cathedral Prep sports is the Hanhauser family. Between oh, I did not know that. Yes, between his older brother, Ricky, and between his other older brother, Marty, and John Hanhauser, the three of them probably had 20 letters at Cathedral Prep. And uh, guys, that, when, when your brother passed away, John, that's all people wanted to talk about was the significance that your family had on Erie Prep Sports. So, and they had a moment of silence. Jerry, Jerry organized that, Jerry Mifsud. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now Jerry, Jerry played with my my brother Rick, and um, it, he himself was pretty good. My my brother Rick was was a, a very special athlete. He he played all three sports. Yeah, and uh, he he um he let's just say he led the the city in a lot of different categories in all three. He sports. did. He did. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just want to mention that Dave, you know who your buddy is now. Back <laughs> yeah, down. I did. Thank you. <laughs> well, you, Norman, I did not know that you guys, um, you guys have been fantastic. I was, I've been looking forward to this cause I love to hear the, the stories of coach majors and I, and I love to hear the stories as we've talked to Jackie, Cheryl and others about the revitalization of, of the program. Uh, so personally, thank you. Thank you for, yeah. for sharing everything. Thank you for your time spent with us and talking about Coach Majors. And um, good luck to both of you guys in, you. in everything that you do. And we certainly appreciate it. Hey, hey, Brent, before we go, I just wanted to say one thing. I asked, I talked to a couple of guys. We remembered a few of these. But Coach Majors had the game maxims that he would print on the chalkboard before every game. Yeah. I just want to just tell you what they are. And I'm sure the Tennessee guys, he did the same there. Because this is what we believed in, what motivated us. The team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. Play for and make the breaks when one comes your way, score. If at first the game or the breaks go against you, don't let up. Put on more steam. Protect our kickers, our quarterback, our lead, and our ball game. Ball, cover, Oski, block, cut and slice, pursue and gang tackle, but this is the winning edge. Press the kicking game, for here is where the breaks are made. Carry the fight to our opponent and keep it for 30, 60 minutes. And yeah. this is what we saw before he gave the final speech, before we hit it onto the field, every game. 